You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest edition of Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. We have a ton to unpack today. The deadline has passed for changes to the 40-man roster. The Indians made a minor trade. They added three players. They released a player. On today's show, we're going to look at the minor trade. We're going to talk about the the release, who they added, why they added. And we're going to go through some of the more interesting names that were let go. We're not going to go through all the ads because, I mean, what's the point? These are guys teams valued enough to add. So instead, let's look at guys that teams let go who could be of interest to the Indians, names that stood out for me as I was going through. But, uh, yeah, the first, so that'll be the second half. First half, let's just look directly at the Indians and what they did today. So the first announcement was that the Indians had traded Mark Matias to the Brewers for uh, catcher Andreas Melendez. Now, this is the opposite of what they did a year ago. They essentially traded away a player, Matias is Rule 5 eligible for the second year in a row, um, and they traded him away for a guy who's not Rule Rule 5 eligible for another year. Now, Melendez, um, he is yet to leave rookie ball. The scouting reports on him are, you know, good defensive catcher. He kind of struggled this year, but he had a high walk rate. Um, he's he's not much, let's let's be honest. But there's more value there than there is in Mark Matthias. Now, Matthias is a guy that I saw a ton in Akron, and I never walked away thinking more than, like, okay. Like, so this guy is, uh, he's here, he's... A depth player. I mean, that's essentially what he was. Was he was a depth player down there, um, a future utility guy. And I talked about the complete lack of depth the Brewers had and their problems in development. And this kind of showed today because um, they went out and they traded away. I mean, if you go over to Fangraphs again, Andres Melendez, being a rookie ball catcher who's 18 years old, I wasn't going to know him. He does have an arrow pointing up on Fangraphs, and you know he is a twitchy, athletic catcher with good mobility. Advanced field for contact, uh, mature strength. Not very projectable though. Unlikely to have more uh, hit for power. Probably a backup at best. Um, but getting that guy, an 18-year-old catcher. I mean, you can always, you always need more catching. I, I broken record. I talked about the need for catching. They got an interesting catcher, and they traded away a guy who there was a 0.0% chance they were adding to their 40-man. Matthias had a career year with. Uh, juiced balls in a stadium that is an absolute bandbox this year in AAA. It was, you know, and that career year is still a 797 OPS. Uh, he hit 12 home runs, which the, his previous four minor league seasons he had combined hit 16. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I wish him the best. I'm very happy for him because this changes his life, not just because he was traded, but because he's on a 40 man that changes how much money he makes. So good for him. Um, great dude by all accounts. Never heard a negative thing about him. Always showed up. Always did his job. He wanted to be a major leaguer, and he's closer. So I am happy for Mark Matthias. But at the same time, he didn't really. I, I was shocked that the Indians got anything of value. And again, this is not. I mean, Melendez would not make my top prospects because he's a rookie ball guy to begin with. But even if he was, you know, in short season A, he would still not be there for me just because the the offensive production's been kind of. Eh, you know, he's a below average bat, repeating rookie ball. Um, last few years, he's played in, you know, just about 80 games. It, there's, it's a lot of projection. It is a big, uh, big old, he is a big old ball of projection. 
But why not get a big old ball of projection where the Indians really stand to lose nothing? Um, you make a dozen trades like this with the hope that one of them works out. And if it doesn't work out, well, you didn't really lose uh, anything of value in the process. And that's kind of how you have to view this. Great deal by the Indians. Keep your eye on Melendez. We'll see what happens with the Miners. Um, you know, we talked about that on Monday's show. It's kind of crazy. He's a guy I would have projected to go into short season ball this year. He is going to be Rule 5 eligible in a year, though. So he's kind of in that Jose Fermin situation. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he maybe he starts the year in low A. But, uh, you know, a, a guy who's got some athletic ability and could potentially be a starter, more than likely a backup, but a decent prospect for, again, a guy that was not even on my radar at all for the Indians trying to do anything with him. So the Indians did end up adding the three players I projected last night. Um, They added Scott Moss, who they acquired in the trade, and they liked enough to to go out and and get him as one of the pieces in the Trevor Bauer deal. They added Daniel Johnson, who was part of the Jan Gomes deal, and they added Tristan McKenzie, their own player. Those are the three guys you had to add. Any of those three guys were left available. They weren't sticking around. So the Indians made the right call adding those three. It was kind of interesting that they decided to let Nick Goody go, that he was a player they cut over, you know, Maiden or Hunter Wood. Uh, Because Goody had actually been better than most of those guys this year. I think it just really came down to, at a very basic level, that uh, Goody was up for $1.1 million. And after last year and Neil Ramirez and him making a million for a month, they weren't sure that Goody was going to make this bullpen. And I don't think anyone could feel confident in that. So I, I don't have any issue with them letting go of Goody. He was a real borderline candidate for me. It saves them a little money, hopefully money that gets reinvested in the team. And they protect their top three prospects. Kaye Tom is probably the guy to pay attention to, along with Cam Hill. Those are the guys most likely to be selected in the draft. And again, if I was the Tigers, I would be selecting both of those guys. It's super cheap to go out and get them. Uh, A team that's going to be interesting to watch in all this is the Washington Nationals. They currently stand at 31 players on their roster. Yes, they're very likely to be active in free agency, but they could also go out and try to snipe some talent around or see what they can get you know maybe they even if it's not necessarily a rule five pick they could be they could try to do what the indians did a year ago and basically you know you contact the indians and if you think kaye tom can maybe be your fourth outfitter next year you offer a faraway prospect for tom and then he doesn't have to stick on your 25 man but you can take a chance with him like the indians did with like with uh, hugh a year ago so Keep something like that in mind. The Indians and the Nationals do have a good trading relationship and history. So that could be something else to look at, is that is a team in particular that has lots of space. Okay, our great sponsor is BlueChew.com. What more do I need to say? If you've been listening to the podcast, you've been hearing about me talk about BlueChew.com since literally the podcast launched. They've been with us from the beginning. They're a fantastic sponsor. I love them because they have stood by us. What more do you need to know? You're going to go to bluechew.com, use that promo code MLB, and you can try out Mail Enhancement. If you've never tried it, here's a chance to see what it's all about. Uh, You know, we've heard about Major League Baseball players using various types of enhancement. Why not go use Bluechew, one that, you know, when you go through the process with this, they have doctors on hand to make sure that you are medically uh, able to, to try their medication. So it is, it's tested, it's vetted. We have professionals there to help you. BlueChew.com, promo code MLB, and you can try it for free. You do have to pay 5 bucks for shipping, 
But again, fantastic sponsor, and they've been here with us since the very beginning of this podcast. So BlueChew.com, promo code MLB. So 40-man rosters are set outside of player signing. That could still change things. We could still see players cut from rosters at this point, and we very likely will before the draft in a couple of weeks. Um, there's going to be a few more players to, to, to sign. It just always happens that way. But at this point, uh, I don't see the Indians signing anyone before the uh, the draft. It's not necessarily that they won't, but they're not a team that moves quickly for the most part. And, I mean, they still have some easy dead weight to cut. I don't think anyone's going to debate that. There are some pretty easy names to pull off that list at this point. But the Indians are in a situation where they can kind of sit back and they may not be done. This is kind of, right now we're kind of like... Um, cut day for the NFL a bunch of players were just released and some of these guys could help some teams out there so let's go through the names that stood out to me the guys I was like huh and players that maybe the Indians would consider adding at this point after uh, some teams cut down the rosters one of the first names I saw was Matt Duffy I had many points this year with Rays fans talking about could the Indians acquire him now Duffy did not have a great year in limited action and he's really not been the same guy since he first came over after that solid season with the Giants where he finished second in the Rookie of the Year. He ended up getting flipped to the Rays, and he's just never been able to reproduce. And, I mean, in fairness, that great breakout year just stands out as kind of a year apart, unlike anything we had seen and anything we had ever projected with him really in the minors. But even a year ago, he was a little more than a league average bat playing you know, third, second, and shortstop, kind of what the Indians need to find at this point is some type of utility or, you know, better than a utility guy. But Matt Duffy at peak would have been a interesting candidate. Now, he was still worth .01 BWAR, so he was essentially a replacement-level player last year across 46 games. You know, he's just a, a known name, so it came up, and it's, it's easy to see why the Rays let him go. He did make... 2.6, he was going to be arbitration eligible, and those numbers always go up. So letting him go made a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think he's a great fit for the Indians. He's he, What he is is he's a solid fit on a minor league contract. If you can get him on a minor league contract, go for it. That's, that's the ideal way to get Matt Duffy and see if he can rehabilitate his value and have a rebound year. Next up, uh, not a guy who was let go, but an interesting trade, I thought. Uh... Jose De Leon was a guy I really liked with the Dodgers. He had some great minor league production, and you know he was a top 25, top 30 prospect at one point, and it just hasn't worked out for him. Now this year, you know he he had four innings, didn't pitch at all in 2018 in the majors. 2017 was 2.2, and then 2016 was 17 innings. He's just been unable to stay healthy, and. He was the Reds essentially bought him today. He was traded for cash. There is no essential. He was bought. That's it. He was uh, the Reds bought Jose De Leon and his potential. And what was great about him at peak was this is a guy with like a walk rate around three and a strikeout rate that was you know eleven or twelve. Like he missed bats without walking guys. The home run rate and the hit rate was low. There was the tools to be. I mean, most of us would have said worst case scenario, this is a future number five. And it just, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So the Reds take a gamble, a worthwhile gamble, on a guy who could end up becoming, you know, their fifth starter. I mean, there's he'll, he'll be given that opportunity. I like the gamble. The, the Rays have been under a crunch on their 40-man for a while. They are so deep, one of the deepest teams in baseball, in all honesty, that they can't hold on to a guy like De Leon. They've got too many other moving pieces and players to try out. 
And, you know, when the Indians made their trade in season, getting Christian Arroyo and Hunter Wood, they gave up Ruben Cartagena. And remember the big statement there, if you were paying attention, was like, Cartagena had a, a little bit of a breakout year. He wasn't like a huge prospect by any means. He wasn't going to make my top 20 or anything like that. But he was also far away from being Rule 5 eligible. Like that came up specifically when we talked about that trade. And because of the raise crunch, uh, there's value in not having to worry about putting someone on your 40 man for them so yeah good uh, good gamble by the race he's still just 27 years of age won't be 28 until next august you have him if he breaks out he will be arbitration eligible in 20 at the end of next season but uh you still have full control of him for the next four years um so i love the gamble by the race there or the race by the reds i get why the Rays did it i love the reds doing it Another player I wanted to talk about is, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Jarrell Cotton. Now, he came over back in the day in the Rich Hill slash Josh Riddick to the Dodgers deal, along with Frankie Montas, who became uh, an all-star and also suspended for PEDs, and Grant Holmes, who still really hasn't made the stat most of us expected him to make. Uh, Cotton, a year ago in five starts, was utterly fantastic, but the definition of small sample size. This year, he was a fifth starter. But it is odd to see a team cutting a guy who has you know, three more years of control who just started 24 games for them this year. Now, they weren't great games, and he only pitched in 129 innings, so he didn't pitch deep into games. And the, the FIP showed a guy who, you know, the, basically what was killing him was he was extremely home run prone, and he didn't miss enough bats. Now, he didn't hurt himself with the walk. And if he could just get that home run rate down a little, um, you know, he'd be an interesting guy. You put him in the right environment, see if maybe he can pitch better. But it is just odd to see a guy who started 24 games for a team that made the playoffs that they're like, hey, yeah, we're going to cut him. It, it stood out more for that than anything else. For teams that need pitching, he's going to be an interesting name. Someone's going to jump on him uh, sooner rather than later. I will be curious to see, but I expect to hear him signing somewhere in the next seven days as teams could always use starting pitching. Another guy let loose today, Dominic Leone, talked about him in the Cardinals podcast. He had come over from the Blue Jays, um, trying to remember who they traded for him at the time, but he came over to, to kind of be a part of their pen. Now, he had bounced around before he found success with the Blue Jays. He pitched with Seattle and Arizona in the majors. And that year in Toronto in 2017, you know, a strikeout rate over 10 with a walk rate under 3 and a home run rate under 1. He has not matched those. Now, he's still managed to miss bats, which is important. He's two years in Seattle, 9.8 and a 10.2, but the walk rate has crept up, as has the home run rate. Um, he is all of 28 years old. Just turned that at the end of October. It was not a good year. But, again, he's a guy that uh, if you can get him to come to camp on a minor league invite and see if he can work out and figure out what went wrong, maybe you can right the ship, there could be value in him just because we've seen the high-end performance there and we've seen him, I, I mean, high-end maybe as a general, might be being overly nice, but still, that year, 2.56 ERA, 70 innings, uh, a FIP of 294. Even in his first year in St. Louis, 362 FIP is solid. So he had those age 25 and age 26 years were strong this year not so much and a big part of that is the all of a sudden a guy whose walk rate had been 2.9 and 3 jumped to 4.9 that's that's significant and the home 
the home run rate nearly doubled. So if you can fix him, it's not like he's in his 30s here. It's not like it's the end of the line. There's always the chance for him to rebound. And then just in terms of name value, the Marlins letting go of Wee Yin Chen. Now, he was a Baltimore Oriole for a few years and a solid starter. Like, I mean, it was, you go and you look at his ERA pluses at the time and, and stuff like that. His age 26, 27, 28, and 29 years, he was a dependable starter. Uh, the final year was definitely his best. Finished fourth in the rookie of the year is kind of the only award of note. But he was a guy he could throw out there for 30 starts and he'd get the job done. Uh, the Marlins gave up a pick to sign him. Now, he'd been given the qualifying offer and it just never worked out. He was He had one year um, let's say 2017 was the only year that the ERA plus was over 100 again, and that's the year he pitched all 33 innings. He just aged 30. You know, it, it sometimes it sets in, and in this case it did. So he was let go. I think I read the Marlins still owe him another $22 million, and they're just like, yeah, we're done. We're moving on. Uh, he had a vesting option for 2021 that I think he was unlikely to hit. So they figured, well, we're going to have to pay him $22 million this year at some point. So we'll just pay it all now and, and not even bother with it. So, yeah, he's going to be paid $22 million to not pitch for the Marlins. Uh, and whenever anyone wants to decry the death of baseball, remember, if this was the NFL, he'd be cut and, and get like $500,000. Baseball contracts are fully guaranteed, so $22 million is his. For a guy who is a back-end starter for almost his entire career, at even his peak value, he was a back-end starter. He is going to have ended up made, making, you know, came to the majors at age 26. He's going to make $95 million. So, baseball's grand. Uh, he is not a candidate for the Indians. Leon and uh, Duffy may be on minor deals, but those are kind of the names that stood out as I was going through. We'll have to pay attention now just to see who signs, what what occurs. We also saw just another trade as I was refreshing my MLB trade rumors. The Phillies acquiring a lefty pitcher, Christopher Sanchez, from the Rays. Again, it's the Rays are under such a roster crunch that uh, they had to make a bunch of moves today. And then I somehow glossed over talking about the Yankees. So let's dive into the Yankees cuts real quick because these are arguably the biggest names of the day. They released Jacob Ellsbury, uh, a signing that pretty much did not work out from the start for them, uh, full of regret and sadness for probably Red Sox and Yankees fans, as Red Sox fans could not like seeing someone go there, but just like with Johnny Damon, that seemed to never work out well when the Yankees sign away a Red Sox. Now, the Yankees had to add a lot of guys that are 40 men, and a lot of these are guys that we've heard about whenever a trade comes up of the possibility between the Indians and the Yankees. Esteban Florial, Debbie Garcia, and Lucas Gill were all added, um, along with Brooks Crishy, Luis Mendoza, Nick Nelson, and Michael Yarge. So they had a lot of moves to make. Ellsbury's another, you know, big name who just underperformed with the Yankees. It's always that danger of signing someone in their age 30 year, especially someone who relies on speed for a good chunk of his game. And, you know, and Ellsbury really, I mean, he had like one great year, and then he had a, it's, his the fact that he got MVP votes in that uh, 2013 season is kind of a surprise to me. It was not a grand year. It's just that uh, 2011 year when he hit 32 home runs and that was kind of out of nowhere. The Yankees are going to be paying him to not play 
talked about uh, the Marlins. The Yankees are now uh, going to pay him $26 million because they also owe him a $5 million buyout for 2021. So he is the big money maker. Uh, you add in the future salaries, he's going to end up making $168 million in his career. And again, I don't, he's not the guy necessarily I want to try on a rebound. Well, yeah, I would be fine with him on a cheap contract. Because here's the thing with Ellsbury, even last year, his OBS plus was a 97. He was about a league average bat. He wasn't terrible. Uh, his defense was not all that grand. He is slipping. But uh, there's still some performance there. There's still some ability unlike some of these other older players who did not play well at all. Uh, Ellsbury was close to league average. It's a little surprising that they're going to pay him all that money to not play, especially when they have, you know, Hicks is injured and other guys um, are down, leaving some massive holes in center field. And then Greg Bird, who was a top prospect, who kind of came out in his age 22 year, uh, you know, gangbusters before he got hurt. A 135 OPS plus that year, 11 home runs in 46 games. He played so well for them, and then he got hurt, and he's just never been able to reclaim that first base spot. Uh, a big name because of more of where he played than what he did. I mean, he was a legitimately high-regarded prospect, but hasn't come together for Greg Bird, and at this point, you know, he hasn't had a even close to a league average year since 2015. So I don't, you know, he's going to probably have to go somewhere and try to prove himself at the AAA level. So more of another just name to know, someone that stood out. I want to thank everyone at home for listening. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You can find my writings over at Scouting Baseball on 24-7 Sports. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Tribe!